Okay, I want to I wanna give Daniel his time here, so I'm going to just quickly uh, spend a moment to introduce him. Uh, he's the founding pastor of the Coastlands Church in Aptos, California. Uh, founded that, I, I believe, maybe 30-something years ago. Is that right? 32. 33 years ago. And uh, I've known Daniel for almost 30 years now. And uh, what I've learned about him as a person is that he's real. And if you haven't heard Daniel speak yet, you will see. He is real. He's not going to put on any airs. He's just going to say what he thinks the Lord is is asking him to to talk about today. And I just love that about him. I I remember when I met him, uh, it was quite significant because... uh, the second time I met him, he, he knew my name. It was already quite a large church, and he remembered my name. And Daniel is a person that is, is uh, passionately in love with God, but also people. And uh, he has uh, just a great love, and that's why he's here. He's here uh, because he loves us as a church in Utah and, and wants to share these uh, awesome truths with us today. So we're just thrilled to have him. He is... Uh, you know, this, the spiritual gifts have been throughout the ages. The church has kind of made them a little wacky sometimes, a little crazy, uh, a little intense. Maybe some rules and regulations that, that just seem not really the heart of God. And, and uh, I, we believe that Daniel has the heart of God about the spiritual gifts and, and the Holy Spirit and his presence in our lives and how he can move and touch us and heal us. So we are just exciting, excited to have him talk about simple and sane spirituals. Can you guys welcome Daniel Brown? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Okay. Good evening, everybody. Yeah. Um, this subject about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think I just want to set the the tone from the very beginning to say that there are many people who feel very, very strongly about different, uh, how could I say, sort of positions that they've they've mapped out and they have a perspective. um, And I want to be as generous, I want us to be as generous as we can be in our discussion because Uh, I'm a real Bible study guy, and you're going to see. I hope you brought a Bible with you, electronic or something, because I'm going to be taking you to lots and lots of Bible verses. Um, But I think an honest appraisal of the Word of God when it comes to the subject of spirituals, the Holy Spirit. There are not as many, um, how would I say, there are not as many clear verses as all the different camps would like to suggest that there is. And that many, many things in the scriptures are subject to, I don't want to say one's own interpretation, because there's actually a Bible verse that says that no matter of prophecy is subject to one's individual interpretation. I just know that for myself and my journey with the Lord... I I am the product equally of grandparents who were what we would probably call today good, staunch, evangelical, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching people, and another set of grandparents that were Pentecostals. (laughs) Now, 
it's not like they ever knew each other close enough, you know, to be, be friends. But these two strains have kind of had a, a work in me. And depending on who I'm talking to, if you're one of these, uh, could I just say rabid Pentecostals? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get you to stop barking, and please don't bite anyone. Uh, and I and I might uh, urge you: Could we just maybe relax a little bit? And then people who have a background that would suggest to them, or from their training and so forth, that the work of the Holy Spirit has been um, modified and reduced from what it has been in other times. Uh, I would want to say to them, can I just ask you a few questions and point out some scriptures? So if we could begin tonight by, by actually correcting our theology, because we don't need to, I mean, lovely song, nice prayer, Ira, wherever you went, but we don't actually need to invite the Holy Spirit. Uh, as soon as there were two of us in the room, <laughs> he was here. Okay, but God is nice. Did you know that? You know the Bible says that, that His kindness and mercy are over all of His works. And there is a kindness about God who when we flop with our prayer and say, God, you know what I mean, just, just do something. He doesn't say, that was not really a very adequate prayer. No. He's like, I know what you were trying to say before you even prayed it. That's one advantage of him knowing what we're trying to pray before we pray it. He can answer what he knows we're trying to say. And he doesn't get so quite caught up on the particulars. And I know when we say, Lord, have your way in me, we kind of think that's synonymous by saying, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And it's not wrong or evil to welcome the work of the Holy Spirit. And we are a people who like cryptic, shortened, little kind of praise God. And that stands for like everything. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in my life, right? So we don't ever have to welcome the Holy Spirit in a, in a, in a, in a sense that he wasn't there. We're, we don't run seances, you know what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is present in every single daughter and son of God who has opened up their heart. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, is like a seal or a pledge. We would call it an earnest payment, down payment, right? The checks in the mail kind of a statement that get, gets made to every single believer. And it's what the way that God identifies who are His, because we have His Spirit. And the great, I'm, I'm getting to my point, I, I don't know where my notes are, but I'm getting to the point, uh, I'm setting the tone here. You understand, don't you, that, that one of the greatest promises of the Old Testament is God said, I, I am going to be your God. And that means I, I'm going to live in your neighborhood. I'm going to dwell among you. My presence will go with you. And he doesn't like 
well, I was with you yesterday. I'll get back to you tomorrow. <laughs> He's with us all the time. So can we just be a little patient with one another and, and have a kindness in our heart and an openness in our heart, Lord? Uh, open our eyes that we could behold wonderful things from your word. That's my prayer for you uh, tonight. And that you would see things in God's word about the Holy Spirit that maybe you haven't seen before or I might offer you a perspective that would be uh, a little bit new for you. So, okay. Um, we're eventually, but probably not tonight, going to get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and work our way through some Bible texts. But my experience with, uh, with the Word of God and I have been accused of being like a go-backwards preacher. I'm trying to get to this point, but to get to this point in the Word of God, I've got to back up so many different paces because everything has a context. And you know this as well as I do, that if you just yank a verse at random out of a chapter and then try to build a theology on that verse, you can say, well, it's obvious what it says. But if you put it in the context of the chapter, maybe it's saying something a little bit different. Well, exactly the same is true. If we're going to come to a, a, an appropriate understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit, what He wants to do in us, what He wants to do through us, there is a pattern that I believe we need to see before we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Was that just the longest introduction on record? Okay, yeah, well, there we are. <laughs> I was in the Philippines not long ago, and, and they're kind of a fun-loving, joking people, at least the Filipinos that I know in the Philippines. And so I was introduced, and Ira, you could try this one next time. He said, uh, here's Dr. Brown, a man who needs no introduction. But boy, he could use a conclusion or two. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I want to take you to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 15 through 18. John 7, verses 15 through uh, 18. And this passage is representative of a good half dozen almost identical passages just in the gospel of John and uh, could be that it's there so very often you might not have noticed it before because you're just so used to reading it but we'll pick it up in verse uh, 15. Uh, the Jews meaning the leaders of the Jews therefore were marveling saying how did this man become learned having never been educated. And Jesus therefore answered them and said, hey, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. And if any man is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself, whether I speak out of my own, out of myself. Whether, okay. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you carries out the law. Why do you seek to kill me? Well, that was a little 
I mean, Jesus didn't mind mixing it up a little bit. Now, this, this passage, which we're going to look at another one like it in a little bit, Jesus sets up a very, very simple pattern. And you and I are Christians, many of us. Well, I, I don't know if you're not. I'm not trying to be rude. But most of us would say we're, we're, we're Christians. We are Christ followers. Christian means Christ-like. It doesn't just mean good and moral and upstanding. It means that I follow the patterns of Jesus. So I want to show you the most fundamental pattern that Jesus followed in all of his ministry. So you get the picture. He's teaching. And the people are blown away. Even the religious leaders are saying, how did, how did you get all of this stuff? Uh, other times and other people would, would say, you're teaching like a man who has authority. You're not like the scribes. and the. You're teaching like you really know what you're talking about. Where did you get all these smarts? Because you weren't educated. That intelligence was not cultivated by teachers. How did you end up knowing these things to say? And Jesus said, very simple. I am not the originator of my teaching. I didn't think this up on my own. I didn't even uh, sit down and study and put all these really clever things together, and I never spent a moment thinking, oh, wow, this will really get them. <laughs> all that I do, I listen to what the Father speaks, and then I just repeat what He says. Elsewhere, He says, oh, I just watch what the Father is doing, and I do what I see the Father doing. I do the works of the Father because I'm just copying what He does. I speak the words of the Father because I'm just repeating what He says to me. Jesus listens to the Father, or the Father speaks, Jesus listens, Jesus speaks, and the people listened. And I found this in one of my recent passes through <laughs> and rereading. <clears throat> oh, sorry, sorry. I was a little, that was a terrible noise. That's, okay, anyway. I was a little convicted in my heart. And I just asked myself this question. How many times have I tried or wanted, oh man, to do a really good teaching? In and of itself, that's not evil. But Jesus says, if you seek your own glory, then the reservoir that you dip into to get the words is yourself. But if we're seeking His glory, and you know another word for glory uh, Pentecostals, they, they do funny things when they talk. The glory of God. Another word for glory is just reputation. How is God known? And if I'm seeking my own glory, if I want people to think well of me, oh wow, he's really gifted, he's this, he's that, then I will dip in the reservoir of my own life. 
But like you, I don't really want to seek my own glory. And I, I don't believe that any sincere son or daughter of God, uh, you know, secretly, oh man, I'd love to be just like, wow. Oh, I mean, in your name, hallelujah. I, I don't think we're, we want the glory of God. So I'm, I'm setting you up a little bit now. Because very often, the argument that people use, oh, I don't know, that, that's, that Holy Spirit stuff, I don't know. I, 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 I just don't know what's going to happen. I just... <laughs> I told him, I told him not, to, not to put water up here because I don't drink and drive, but then we... <laughs> A lot of the reason we say, I don't want too much of that spiritual stuff happening, because why? Because it doesn't come from my own thinking. And Jesus said, be very careful about the source of what it is that you're saying. Okay, so the pattern again is the Father speaks, Jesus listens, and then Jesus speaks. Now, let me take you over to chapter 14, John chapter 14, and I'm skipping over several beautiful parallel passages to what I've, I've said, and if you're not familiar with your Bible very much, uh, I do encourage you to go back and check out everything that I say to make sure I'm telling you the truth. But more than once, Jesus said, my teaching is not my own. My teaching is not my own. So we come to chapter 14, and I'm going to read sort of a long passage, and then I want to come back and break it up into parts and offer you a few thoughts. But it's just a beautiful passage. So let me read, beginning in verse 7. If you had known me, this is now Jesus speaking to his friends, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him. And you have seen him. And Philip said to Jesus, oh, Well, um, <laughs> Lord, <clears throat> okay, just, 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 just once. Could you just, just show us the Father once, and that'll be good for us. Right? Jesus has just said, You know him. And Philip, don't you love the disciples? Wouldn't the story of Jesus have been so much more difficult? to feel like you could embrace if there weren't losers like Philip and Peter and all the rest of these guys that just say, what, 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 what? Okay. And Jesus said, oi, vey, have, have I been with you so long and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How, how do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. But the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Otherwise, we'll, we'll believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do shall he also do, 
And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that will be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So to kind of review, Jesus has all throughout his ministry said, the words that I speak I have heard from the Father. And the works that you see me doing are the works of the Father because I'm simply imitating what he's doing. And in fact, the Father is doing his works through me because I'm so careful in following the pattern that he's laying out. I know this sounds very simplistic and you're thinking, can we get on to the spiritual part of the spirituals, Pastor? Well, we're there actually. Not everything that is spiritual is like that. Okay, more on that later. Verse 11. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. I, I want you to believe that truth. Okay, and if that's too much for you, believe on account of the works themselves. What works is he talking about? He's talking about these miraculous things that normal people can't do. And Jesus has made it quite clear that the, the source of those miraculous works are the Father. And because I simply do what I see him doing, they have a readout in the natural arena that knocks everyone back. I am in the Father. That's the point. The Father is in me. And proof of our intimate connection, of our oneness, is that the very works of God are the works that I do. And now he's going to go on and say to all of his friends, and these works that I do, what works is he talking about? The works of the Father. These works that I do, and even greater than these, will you do. Why? Because I'm going to go and be with the Father. And then he says, oh, I don't want you to be left as orphans. So feel Jesus' heart for a moment as he has been with his friends and his disciples for these three plus years. And everything he's heard the Father speak, he has spoken to them. And it's only been a couple of times that the gang has heard the Father speak directly. This is my beloved Son, right? But all the rest of what they've heard from God the Father has been through the agency of Jesus who takes what he hears and speaks them. So now he knows, I'm leaving. I'm going back to the Father. So if we keep this pattern, right? The Father speaks, Jesus listens, Jesus speaks, 
And if Jesus is in heaven and not on earth, guess who won't get to hear? All the humans on earth. And Jesus said, I can't bear that you would be without that Father, God the Father, covering and protection. I'm not going to abandon you. I don't want you to be abandoned by the Father. So we have a great solution. This is how I would say it, not how Jesus said it. He's more eloquent, but this is... We have the solution. We are going to give you the Holy Spirit. And now the chain of, of conversation... Father speaks, Jesus listens. Jesus speaks, Spirit listens. And the Spirit who abides with us is able then to take the words of the Father through the Son. He can speak them so that we can hear them. And without the Holy Spirit, it's not really possible for a person to hear the words of God. There are miraculous exceptions. But for the most part, what you and I hear of and from the Father is through the book that he wrote and passed down Father to Jesus to the Spirit to us. And Jesus says another thing that I also found very um, convicting. He said, the world can't behold the Holy Spirit. The world can't comprehend, can't, can't see Him, can't hear Him. So if the world is going to hear the words of the Father, if people around us are going to see the works of God, do you see how crucial I am in the equation? How crucial you are? Because if the Father speaks to the Son, who speaks to the Spirit, who speaks to me, who then others don't hear. How will they believe unless they hear? Maybe because of my upbringing, I don't know. Maybe because of confused different things that got spoken. I will say that I kind of jumbled everything together. And it certainly doesn't help to be at uh, you know prayer meetings when people are really excited and legs are twitching and stuff. And so the words are just kind of... And, and have you prayed like this? Oh, Father, Lord God, I ask Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. I mean, one of you do something. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's not... He's kind, but the Holy Spirit is the, the translator. The Holy Spirit is the, the, he's the microphone that enables you and me to hear what God is saying. And we use language like, well, the Lord said to me, and we mean, you know, Jesus, the Father, somebody, and it's not like wrong. 
But if you heard something that truly is from God, guess what? You can only hear it through the agency of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit only speaks the words of the Father. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but uh, who helped humans write this? The Holy Spirit. These are inspired by the Holy Spirit words of God. And if the Holy Spirit hadn't helped those people, guided their pen, or what, not pen, but you know, I mean, I'm old school. I say pen, you say you know, keypad. Without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have the Bible. And without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't be able to be touched by these words. He is the one, as we'll see in just a moment, who takes everything that Christ has spoken and brings it to our remembrance. The Holy Spirit is vital for our ministry life. All right, so let me just take you over uh, to the end of chapter 15, John chapter 15. Again, I'm, I'm just pulling out a few passages. You'll have to uh, go back and check to make sure I haven't yanked them in an inappropriate way. Verse 26, John 15. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me, and you will bear witness also because you have been with me from the beginning. This word, witness, you will bear witness. What was Jesus talking about? And unfortunately in the church, we've taken this word witness or witnessing, and we have equated it simply with telling people who don't know about Jesus, telling them about him. We're witnessing, we're evangelizing. Uh, but this word witness is closer to what you would think the meaning is if you had no religious training. <laughs> so what does a witness do in a court of law? A witness, uh, they tell what they heard and they tell what they saw. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, did you see it? Uh, no. Well, then you were not a witness. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to be my witness. Why? Because God speaks, Jesus listens, Jesus speaks, and the Holy Spirit bearing witness of what he has heard and seen faithfully shares that with the rest of us. And if we're keeping things in line, then we also will be able to bear witness of Christ. Why? Because on our own we decided, yeah, let me tell you a couple of things. No, because the Holy Spirit is teaching us what to say and teaching us what to do. And friends, it's really the difference. When, when you listen to someone 
who has been, what could we say, led by the Spirit, directed, prompted, inspired, and when their Bible teaching or when their simple testimony, you, you, you've felt this, seen this, when it's really led of the Spirit, I mean, it's like, whoa, it, it does stuff. It's not about how loud the preacher. Some people try to imitate things. They just, and people say, oh, wow. But it doesn't do anything. Simple Bible reading. And the Holy Spirit just prompts you so that this one little phrase or verse catches your attention a little bit more than others. And as you begin just, just meditating on that, the Spirit continues to whisper things, and oh my goodness, it changes everything. And I want to be a man who is led of the Spirit. I don't want to be spooky, but I do want to be led of the Spirit so that I can bear witness of Christ. Okay, is this making sense? You, you know, if you're waiting for me to get profound, well, <laughs> have fun. I, I, I really like to keep things very simple, and I have a little rule for myself. If I can't explain it simply, it simply means I don't understand it. Okay. Now, let's go over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And you know, there's, a, there, there, there's seven verses before we come to verse 8, at least in my Bible, probably in yours as well. And I find again that sometimes we're so quick to get to our point Right? Because if, if, if we have a certain vantage point on, on, on doctrine, we're sometimes so quick to get to our point that we leapfrog over just some incredible statements. And because I'm a product of this uh, good, solid Bible study, evangelical, uh, and also the moving and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, my eye first gets taught by this extraordinary statement in verse in verse 3, where it says that Jesus, this is now the resurrected Christ, by the way. This is the comeback from the dead, risen Christ, by the way, who for a period of 40 days keeps discipling his disciples and teaching them about things in the kingdom. And, oh, I wish they would have written down what he was saying. <laughs> I mean, from my vantage point, right? If you have raised from the dead, that kind of, any questions? <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, you, you've, you've convinced me. I don't, oh, yeah, I believe, I believe. What was he talking about? Forty days. And I, I'm... I don't know. It kind of makes me sad that there are many, many believers. They're kind of Christianity light, you know. Uh, 
they want to shine bright in heaven without all the fuss of having to be lights on the earth. You know what I'm talking about? Just get me to the good stuff. I'll see you there. I got my insurance policy. Um, friends, there are so many things to learn in the kingdom. So many truths that just will uproot wrong stuff in our life and frame us in the right way. And they're found in God's Word. And I'm just saying, if Jesus spent 40 days teaching his friends after he rose from the dead, before he got to the verse that Pentecostals love to preach, maybe we would do well to be more avid students of uh, the Word as well. Okay, but then we get down, because I want to tell you a little something interesting about verse 8. So the disciples have been in typical disciple form, and, and they're asking, verse 6, And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said, It isn't for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But let me tell you something. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Do you see that same word? You will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Hallelujah, right? This is, this is our cue, right? Yeah, Well, I try to always read my Bible with a little bit of a, of a smile, and I find it keeps me from becoming religious. And it's, it's just a good filter if you're not really sure. Just, just have a little, little smile. I don't mean mocking at all, but just a little smile. And sometimes when I hear people uh, talk about, and you'll receive power, they, they do that funny thing with their mouth, when the Holy Spirit, there's no other word that they, it's not like oh, they have a problem talking, it's just certain words, you'll receive power. And the impression that they leave us with is that you will receive electric defibrillators. <laughs> and you power. I got the power of the Holy. Oh. Oh, and then they'll say, you know, this is the word dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. Well, do you know, it's basically the same word that gets used in 1 Corinthians, where we might get after the break, when, when Paul says, do you know that you can't even say Jesus is Lord, except you've been capacitated, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can't say Jesus is Lord without the kind of power that he's talking about. So I want to just, if I could, offer you a, a, a simple understanding of this word that I hope will begin to make a lot of sense as we progress through more scriptures in this seminar. So he says when you, uh, to be his witnesses, and remember that is to faithfully speak 
what originated with the Father was spoken to the Son, was then spoken to the Spirit, and now spoken to me. Which is why Jesus said, when you get brought before big and great people, don't worry so much about what you are going to say. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will give you words to speak. It's why we see in the book of Acts that, that most of the instances when somebody delivers a, a, a message to Pe Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak. Meaning that they were tracking with and being empowered and being led by the Holy Spirit to say the things that they said. Here's how I, for my simple understanding, translate this word power. Okay. I would say it is a granted to me, a gifted to me, a given to me access to beyond me understanding. Uh, we're going to, in a bit, come to a lot of discussion about the very meaning of something that is spiritual. And one of the things we'll discover is that for it to be truly spiritual, like from God's spiritual, uh, it can't come from me. And even though I have the mind of Christ as you do, it is the mind of Christ that will think of something, not the mind of Daniel. If I think of it, it doesn't mean that it's evil. It just means that it's natural. If it's truly spiritual, then it is something that comes not from myself. But it is spiritual because just like for Jesus, he said, my teaching is not my own. And that's why it has the impact and the influence on your life that it does. Not because I'm so clever, but because the Father is so clever, He speaks, and I simply repeat it, oh my goodness, it changes everything. So this power, don't think of it as lightning bolts and knocking people over. Think of it as, Oh, I suddenly have access to words, to understanding that didn't come from me. They came from the Spirit, and because I faithfully speak them, and I faithfully follow the pattern that I see, stuff happens. Now, you know the Great Commission well enough, Matthew 28. We, we needn't turn there necessarily, but remember how it begins? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And again, you listen to some people reading, and they're like, all authority! And you're, you're afraid of, that they're going to, and I can tell you what to do. Take the word authority, like we use it sometimes in English, a person is an authority on a subject. So think of expertise. And how I translate what Jesus was saying is Jesus says, look, I know everything in the invisible dimension and in the natural world. I know it all. And all you have to do 
is just tell people what I've told you. That's disciple making. That's witnessing. That, friends, is living the Christian life. I take what I hear from the Father through Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And I just repeat it. And people are supposed to (laughs) start saying about you and me, dude, I didn't think you were that smart. I, I like telling this little story. When I was still pastoring, um, you know, we all get surprised when we're pastoring. And I remember one day I was uh, a lady who had been visiting maybe two or three weeks, came up behind me. I, I didn't know it at the time, but I eventually figured out she was behind me. And uh, she said to me, hey, man, I'm on to you. And these are not words that pastors are really excited about uh, about hearing. I'm like, what, 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 what do you mean? She says, you know, everybody around here thinks you're so smart. But I know you're just paraphrasing the Bible almost all the time. <laughs> so I said, Shh, don't blow my cover. <laughs> if we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. It means we have access to what the Father has told the Son, and we speak that to other people, and it changes everything. Okay, so quick review before we take a short break, right? I have long introductions and short breaks. You should just know that, okay? (laughs) I'm trying to suggest to you that the way in which Christ lived his life was by imitating what he saw the Father do. And the way in which he ministered to others was not relying on the fact that, well, I'm the Son of God and I know a lot because we know from the book of Philippians that he emptied himself of all of those heavenly uh, prerogatives and perspectives. He emptied himself And he became a servant. And Jesus himself, though he is the Son of God. Do you know the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and stature before God and man. There is a certain learning curve, you could even say, from suffering. So though Christ has always been and will always be, and we can't explain it so well so completely, But when he uh, was willing to come to the earth, he didn't, well, we don't know for sure. He, he, He didn't function out of what he remembered from when he was in heaven. That's what I'm trying to say. He relied upon the words of the Father. Would that be a fair statement? Would you agree with me that no one on the planet will ever be as mature a Christian as Christ himself? Can you see the trap? That as I have grown in my walk with the Lord, I've got several Bible, you know, I, I, know, a, I know a few things, 
there is a danger that I can become a mature Christian. And by mature Christian, it means that I'm relying on things that I've known. I don't mind telling you for a long time because uh, I am a mature Christian. And instead of functioning out of a present, humble, listening to what the Lord is saying, I rely on my experience. I rely on just vague memory. And the church becomes almost impotent. You know, by the way, I skipped over another passage in John 16 where Jesus said, He will take of mine and disclose it to you. He will bring to your remembrance what I've spoken. Do you know the primary way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is to bring Bible verses to our mind. And you can then appreciate (laughs) the dilemma of the Lord. If I don't have very much Bible in my heart, if there's not a lot of Bible in my mind, the Holy Spirit, I I don't know how to put it, what is He going to work with? And there is, and we'll take the break, there is a a huge, dangerous development that I see in the church. It's, quote, quote, spirit-led people who have left the Word of God. And now they just have kind of vague Christian-sounding phrases. They have feelings. They have a sense. I believe. No Scripture. They call a picture that comes to their mind a prophecy. But there's no Bible in it. They have a sense of what they should do, a leading no Bible. And if there is no Bible, if there's not a verse, a phrase, something that tethers it to the Word of God, the chance of that impulse or thought or feeling or whatever being a true Spirit-led thing is almost zero. I was just at a church. I told you we'd take a break, didn't I? Now I'm making a liar of myself. One last little, little, little. I always say that, don't I? One last little. And you're like, sure. I'm being invited to speak on this uh, quite a bit. And I was just in a church a few weeks ago. And, you know, people that were wanting to be, be spiritual, but a little carried away. And, and a man made a phrase to effect that said, well, when you become really intimate with the Holy Spirit, then you'll know what I mean. And I'm like, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> and I noticed that he said something to the effect that, you know, well, we should pray to the Holy Spirit. 
Now, maybe there's a Bible scholar out there that will make a liar out of me, and I would be happy to be corrected after the break. Um, there's no instance that I know of where people pray to the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want to be prayed to. He, it's the Father who gets all the glory. The Spirit's job is to lift up Jesus. And I am concerned that some well-meaning people departing the verses of the Scripture will end up in a lot of error. And that's what we're going to get to a little bit later. So, no more review, otherwise we'll never end up with a break. Let's take 10 minutes, can we? And then we will come back to it. Thank you. Okay, yeah, fantastic. Um, <laughs> so I had two questions during the break uh, that, that sort of went like this, but very kindly put. What actually, I'm not sure I totally understand. What, what were you saying? So then when I was sharing with one person, I feel like I got more... When, when I said, she said, oh, that's what you meant. I said, yeah, apparently that was. Uh, my wife has not been well for many years, but she used to be with me doing these kinds of things. And no kidding, sometimes she would actually just stand up and turn around and say, what he's trying to say is... And then everybody's like, oh, well, that's, that's really clear. I think I'm trying to demystify a little bit the power of the Holy Spirit. It's miraculous. It's wonderful. But it is God the Father who does His works. And Jesus' ministry on the earth, He made very clear, was the works of the Father being done in Him because He followed what He heard and what He said. I mean, what He heard and what He saw. The Holy Spirit is now the agency or the power by which you and I do the things in the kingdom. And what is the Holy Spirit's power? Is that He has access to the words of the Father. He sees what the Father is doing. And as He shares those with us, we are functioning in the power or in the leading of the Holy Spirit. Is that how I said it, wherever my friend was off over there? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not minimizing the role of the Holy Spirit, but He's not the originator. We can thank the Holy Spirit for His work. God doesn't get mad when we say, you know, Holy Spirit, I want you to do A, B, and C when we're praying. I'm just saying that technically we pray to the Father, in the name of His Son, Jesus, and those prayers are effected and answered by the power and the dynamic and the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So what I'm really hoping to get to and why I was setting all this up so that we would all understand that a clear um, connection with the Holy Spirit having ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, having eyes to see what the Spirit is doing, is not only vital for our ministry, but it's exactly what Christ did. It's how He lived out His life. I want to be a Christian in that kind of being led by the Holy Spirit. 
it doesn't become the leading of the Spirit doesn't become strange because now I'm untethered from the Word of God. I'm untethered from everything, and the Holy Spirit is taking me places. No, no, no. It's all the Father through the Son to the Spirit to us. So then what does the Holy Spirit, how does He behave? What is what is he like? And if I'm supposedly functioning in the Holy Spirit, well, it should be the Spirit of Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's the Lord. And it's a great mystery. How do we explain the, the triune God, the three parts of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? They are all distinct from one another, and yet they are all still God. And I'm not going to, in three minutes on a Friday evening, be able to resolve all of that for all of us. I'm just saying that the Holy Spirit isn't strange. And we cannot attribute things to the Spirit that we do not see in Christ. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Okay, was that clear? All right, good, good, good. So let's go, if we can, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, as I told you, uh, my two grandparents, but uh, my, my, uh, my mother and father, who are now home with the Lord and enjoying their, their great reward, my mother and my father uh, leaned much more toward the good evangelical Bible believing. And so all of my upbringing, I was in uh, good, solid Bible teaching churches that almost never, ever talked about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm sure I heard a little bit, but I was in a particular church tradition, and their model was uh, once every quarter they would have communion. You know, some churches do it every month, some every quarter, some every week. I don't have any thoughts about it. It's just how I was raised, once a quarter. And so, four times a year, the pastor would take us to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And in chapter 11, you'll know this passage, for I delivered unto you what was first given to me that the night when Christ was betrayed, the whole statement about communion is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And that got read um, four times a year. But never once in all of my upbringing did the minister ever go into chapter 12. It's like it didn't exist. And I'm not one of these read ahead in my Bible, I'm so excited kind of a youngsters. I'm like, when is this church going to be done? So I never on my own read into chapter 12. And so my awareness of the Holy Spirit, and back in those days, it was the Holy Ghost. And so I didn't really, the Holy Ghost, that seemed a little bit scary to me, and I wasn't really excited to learn more about the ghost of God. So I, I didn't have any real uh, in, interest or inclination. And it wasn't until my college years that um, as I had a, a, a renewal of my faith, uh, and surrendered everything I knew to surrender to the Lord, that I started avidly reading my own Bible 
that I encountered passages that, quite frankly, I did not really understand. I had no background, no context. And so uh, when we get to chapter 12, chapter 14, along here, it was a bit of a bafflement for me. I had enough upbringing to know it was never a wise thing to uh, blaspheme the Holy Spirit or to attribute something to an evil spirit that actually might be the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the unpardonable sin was when, I don't, I don't want to get into a theological debate, but when the subject was brought up by Christ was after the religious leaders had attributed the great rescue and deliverance of people, they had attributed that to the devil and said the only way that this person is freed from that kind of demonic bondage is because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, you do not want to go there. To say something um, about the Holy Spirit and making His work out to be evil. So I never was tempted to say about my Pentecostal friends that I had in, in school, I never was tempted to say that they were uh, following an evil spirit or anything. But I sure didn't understand uh, what, they were, what they were doing. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read just the first three verses for now. Now concerning spirituals, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. Now how many of your translations say now concerning spiritual gifts, Brethren, yeah, okay. Uh, gifts is not in the original. Now concerning spirituals, all things of the Spirit. Spirituals as opposed to naturals. He will, a little bit later, and we'll get to this tomorrow, he will talk about spiritual gifts. But if from the very beginning of this chapter you insert that word spiritual gifts, then everything that's going to follow in the next couple of chapters has to fit under that heading of spiritual gifts. And I believe this is part of the confusion in the church. We try to say everything that is spiritual and we generically refer to it as gifts. Well, never mind that he's going to bring up three really important spirituals right in the middle of the discussion in chapter 13. Three really spiritual things, hope, faith, and love. These are profoundly spiritual, but they're not spiritual gifts. They are still only capacitated and enabled in my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. They are things that originate from God, the agape love of God that I can't have for anybody naturally. I can have a spiritual love, agape, that will make a profound difference in other people's lives. And it's not the same as, hey, just be a nice guy. No, it's a spiritual thing. And hope is spiritual, but there's no such thing as the spiritual gift of hope. Does this make sense? So we're going to start just with spirituals, and then he will offer us several different, um, I guess, categories, several different types of spirituals, 
And again, I think it will um, be very helpful uh, for all of us. Now, did I even, I didn't even read these verses, did I? Did I read the first three verses? I just started and then started talking. Now concerning spirituals, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. Uh, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the dumb or the unable to speak, the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now concerning spirituals, I don't want you to be unaware. So I'm going to ask you a question, and you don't have to say the answer out loud, but I, I do want you to try to answer this question. What is the very first spiritual that Paul talks about? I'll give you a hint. It's found in verse 2. Now, he's just saying, I'm going to lay out for you some very important dynamics in the kingdom. I don't want you to be uh, clueless about these spirituals. What is the first spiritual that he mentions? Not necessarily holy spiritual, just spiritual. Anybody want to take a stab? It's got to be right there in your Bible. You can't answer the question without looking at the... the... What? Yes. Oh, see, he's a pastor guy. <laughs> he says, hey, look, talk about spirituals. Now, before you were saved, you were led astray. However it was that you were led... Whatever the prompting was, whatever the impulse was, as you were setting yourself to worship these, these false gods, that was a spiritual leading, but it's not a leading of the Holy Spirit. So I want to begin, he says, by distinguishing between spirituals that originate from the Holy Spirit and spirituals that have their source in the, uh, in the false gods, okay, the moot. Mute idols. Probably every one of us would say, I would love to be led of the Lord, right? I mean, isn't that what you want your Christian life? I want to be, God, I want you to lead me. I want to know what you're saying. I want to know what your will is for my life. This is a desire in the heart of every sincere child of God. And Paul says, yeah, that's what I'm talking about walking in the Spirit, being led of the Spirit, moved by the Spirit, prompted by the Spirit, you are going to get to experience all sorts of spiritual promptings that not only will not take you to false gods, they're all going to point you to the true God and enable you to bring other people along with you. He says, I'll just make this really simple for you so that you can hear the difference. Nobody speaking by the power or being led by the Holy Spirit is ever going to say, Jesus is cursed. It's just not a leading of the Spirit. We would all say, amen? amen. Yeah, okay. But in the same way, nobody can actually say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I suppose if we 
typed out this sentence, printed it out, Jesus is Lord, and took it to the local uh, college campus and said, hey, buddy, you know, and, and tell 100 people, hey, man, I'll give you 10 bucks if you can read this. Chances are all 100 of them are going to be able to say, yeah, Jesus is Lord, I'll take it. They're not being led by the Spirit, but they can actually read the words. He's talking about the revelational understanding where a person says, yes, Jesus is Lord. And I can't come to that realization on my own. You remember the episode when uh, Jesus is asking his friends, his disciples, he says, okay, everybody, who do people say that I am? What's the word on the street? Who do people say, say that I am? And the disciples are like, yeah, well, you know, well, uh, uh, some think you're John the Baptist, uh, maybe Elijah, uh, you're, 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 you're a prophet. And then Jesus says, okay, guys, but who do you say that I am? And I always picture Peter in the back of the boat, and his hand has been up from the very beginning because he knows this is the only question he's ever going to get right in the whole boat. So he's like, <laughs> you know, I know, I know, I know. And finally Jesus says, okay, Pete, what, who do you say? He says, oh, oh you're, you're the Christ, you're the Christ. And it's not recorded this way, but this is how I imagine Jesus responding. Oh, yeah, Peter. Okay, I've got, yeah, good job. I've got good news and bad news for you. The good news is you're right. The bad news is you weren't smart enough to think of this on your own. <laughs> How it's actually said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. Because he will have said earlier, what is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. Flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom. Flesh and blood, easy for me to say, flesh and blood can't grab a hold of the things of the kingdom. The natural mind declares this is nonsense. Only by revelation of the Spirit of God can I come to really believe He is Lord. Some of you have friends, or um, I know as our children grow and, you know, they, they make their own decisions. But sometimes if you find yourself not knowing what to pray for people who, hmm, you, you pray, God, give them a fresh revelation of your Lordship. And the Holy Spirit can do stuff. Okay, now... Let's practice, shall we? Let's, let's see how many of us can say, Jesus is Lord. Okay, on three. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Okay. Now, do me a favor. While you're speaking, can you do this? While you're speaking, I want you to be looking at somebody else while they're speaking. Okay? And we're going to try it again on three. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. All right. Now, <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, did you notice anyone doing anything strange when they said Jesus is Lord? I mean, any stranger than normal. You, you know, husbands and wives are whacking each other. Okay. Uh, anybody come out of their chair? Uh, anyone revert to another century diction? Anyone adopt a pathetic British accent? Everybody just... Jesus is Lord, huh? Now, here's my theory. 
Nothing in all creation is a more spiritual statement than Jesus is Lord. Would you agree with me on that? I mean, that's the... (laughs) That's the everything. That's the point of everything. Now, if all of us could make this profound spiritual declaration without levitating in our chair, falling over, flopping around like a fish without water, without any, any quirky goings-on, then my question is, why would we imagine that ever to be led or prompted by the Holy Spirit would require any sort of bizarre or strange activity? Because Jesus is Lord, I mean, that's it. Now, the, the you know, okay, preachers, we, we sometimes will punctuate what we say. You, you notice that I move around a lot. My hands, by the way, they have a mind of their own. I pay no attention to them whatsoever. So, but, you know, we, we do things like this. There is nothing spiritual about, I have no idea why I'm even doing it, okay? It's what we technically call in public speaking an affectation. Uh, it is a mannerism. It is something that we do or a way, you notice I use my eyebrows. I figure if you've got such big ones, you should make use of them. They, they, they are very, very ex- expressive, right? I'm, these are all affectations. And you can get better as a, as a speaker if you simply employ more affectations. But I believe that the church sometimes in not having a good understanding of what truly spiritual is, will begin to imitate the affectations and the mannerisms and the ways of people who are supposedly doing something spiritual. And we can fall into the trap of thinking if we do things like that, then we are also doing something that's spiritual. Now, many years ago, on my very first uh, mission trip to Norway, we're going way, way back, I was very excited to be at this Norwegian uh, church because, well, I'm an American, so I have trouble speaking any other languages than English, and the Norwegians are so incredible, they all speak English. So I thought, I'm in a foreign country, and I'm going to understand what everybody's saying. So I was so excited to be there for the prayer circles. Do you remember those? Do we still do those anywhere? But, you know, we're going to pray for the people around us. So I'm like all set to go here. And we've got, there's four of us in the group, and I'm praying. And the first guy, as he's, uh, he's uh, uh, praying, he's sucking in air like this every other uh, word or so. Is, uh, and I thought, okay, hallelujah, I'm going to pray for their cold when it's my turn to pray. <laughs> and then the next person that uh, prayed, they also began, when they prayed, to suck in air. They, they didn't when they were talking normally, but when they were praying, uh, they, they sucked in air. And I thought, okay, i got two hands, two people, I'll lay hands on each of them. We're going to pray for them to get well. Uh, until the third joker started praying, and uh, he also was taking in air, and I no longer had any thoughts about praying. I just wanted to join their hands together and get out because there's an epidemic in this place, and I don't want to get it. <laughs> so what were they uh, doing? Well, here's my theory. The, their first pastor had asthma. 
so maybe when, when he prayed or she prayed, I don't know which it was, they, they sucked in air. And so you think, oh, okay, so if I pray, I'm supposed to imitate the affectation, which is a long way from imitating the work of the Father through the Son, through the Spirit, to me. And I think a lot of our confusion and many normal people that say, if that's the Holy Spirit, I, you know what? I don't want it. I mean, we would say it in a more Christian way. But if that's what, if I become like that person, if I walk around with one eye higher than the other, I don't want that. And if we let the people who aren't so grounded in the Word of God be the primary spokespeople and the primary role models for the things of the Spirit, it's no wonder that the church is backing further and further away saying, I don't want that. When I was a university student, in the first couple of years, I didn't, I didn't have a car, and where I went to school, there was no Bible-believing church within walking distance. So most of us Christian students, we did our Bible studies together, and once in a while, somebody with a car would go to church, and they would say, anybody want to come along, we're going to go to church. And not every week, but I, I would often find a ride. And this one particular week, I got a ride with the group we ended up going to a very large church. I didn't know that ahead of time. A very large Pentecostal church, about 40-minute drive away. Happened to be on Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> now, I don't know anything about Pentecost Sunday. I just, you know, Easter somewhere before or after. I'm, I, I, I never was really into it very much. But these people were. And the preacher announced, oh, by the way, we were college students, and it was a church. That meant... We were late, and the congregation had kindly left the front row empty. So Christian of them. The uh, place was packed, several hundred uh, you know, people. And so we all got to file into the front row, and the preacher announced, this is Pentecost, son, and you could just tell. He's like, ready for this is going to be great. And I'm like, okay. But you know how you kind of get that little funny feeling like, um, and um, and then he said, I just want to know, how many of you are not filled with the Holy Ghost? And I thought to myself, two thoughts. First is, well, um, hmm, if, if this being filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, is not of God, I want to stand and be counted. But if there is something going on that maybe explains some of the Bible passages I don't understand, I want to raise my hand. So either way, I guess my hand will go up. And so my hand went up, and there's, again, hundreds of people. And you know how you can kind of look behind you without looking behind, you know, you know I think and there'd be other people, with the, not very many, maybe, maybe four of us, five of us, I don't remember. Uh, but 
okay, fine, so they have this whole worship time. I'm thinking they've totally forgot this. They're preaching. I don't remember a thing that God said. But at the very end, he said, now those of you that raised your hand and died was in the front row. There is no escaping. We want you to come on up. And I thought, okay, die here, die there. What's the difference? I will, I will, I will go up. And I didn't understand at the time. Now I know what happened. So I, 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 I got up on the platform like this. And out of the wings of the platform descending upon me like fighter pilots were the prayer team. And they went for my head like they were forming a scrum in rugby. And they went right for my head. They, I don't even know if they knew that the rest of me, but they went right for my, and they began, you know, praying, and they are pushing down. I'm going down under the power, but it is not the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm getting pressed down by these, and I, and I thought, oh, I, I think they want me to speak in tongues. So, so um, gee, I don't think God can see my mouth beneath all these hands. So no kidding. I'm thinking to myself, I just need to get my chin out a little further so God can reach down and blah, 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 you know, like this. And then I'm the, so they're you know, going down. Mercifully, they didn't have a lot of perseverance. So they peeled back off until there was one guy left. And he gave me the final kind of Pentecostal. <laughs> and then he said to me, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Those were the first words in English I'd heard. I don't know what to tell you, buddy. And I thought to myself, well, buddy, I know what to tell you. You people are lunatics. I'm just saying. It could have been really helpful if somebody had a Bible and unpacked a little bit of what I'm going to unpack tomorrow, <laughs> okay, for you, to say, well, you see here and this and that, if somebody even talked to me, it would have been nice. If somebody had said, now, I just want to explain uh, what we're doing. Is that okay with you? Uh, just want you to know that maybe you're going to experience this or experience that. Just want you to be alerted. If they had talked to me, I think I would have been way more open. But they didn't, and I don't know why. So ever since that day, I've had a burden to, to want to explain to people from the Word of God, this is that that was spoken of. And I know you'll have uh, lots of questions when we get in, especially to chapter 12 and some of the verses that, um, well, chapter 13 also. I'm going to offer you my understanding, and then my hope is tomorrow for any of you that are interested, that want, at the end of our session, I'll answer a few more questions, and then I would love to pray for any of you that would like to um, encounter what I will talk to you about of this wonderful and special work of the Holy Spirit. Interestingly, after that episode, when I was pretty well convinced these people are, are crazy, about two or three weeks, well, two weeks later or so, I, I found I had a, a, a profound desire to speak words that made no sense at all. And I thought, oh no, 
Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I now have caught whatever those crazy people have. I probably just remember what they said, and so now I'm repeating it. And let's be frank with one another. The nonsense that's gone on, you want to buy a Honda, want to buy a Honda, want, oh, now you're a tongue talker. I thought to myself, oh, this is something I gibberish I made up as a child. Oh, no, maybe this is something even, even, even demonic. Oh, no, oh, no. And I was terrified. And again, nobody had taught me. I was terrified. And I literally walked around the campus compressing my lips. I can't talk and compress at the same time. You get this? Because, I, it, I mean, they almost itched. The, 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 the muscles were like, I, 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 oh, I want to speak, but I don't know what I'm saying. And I was very concerned. Some weeks later, having my simple devotions before the Lord, I was a Bible reader, a Bible teacher, and I had my quiet time, prayer time, most every morning. I was raised in a good family that taught me the things of God. It wasn't, wasn't a Pentecostal, but oh, just going for it. And, God. and there I was. And I, I sensed the Lord whisper something to me. And it was so simple. He said, just speak the words that I've given you to speak. And I don't know how to tell you, I, I did. I just began to speak, and it wasn't English. Oh, my goodness. Probably for 40 minutes I prayed, which meant that I was experiencing two miracles. First of all, 40 minutes of prayer. <laughs> okay. I'm a college student. And I spoke in a language that I didn't understand. I had a lot still to learn. I had a lot of questions. At the time, I was the leader of one of the main Bible studies at UCLA, one of the main Christian groups, uh, co-leader, I guess you'd say. And, uh, and I was asked to leave the group because I had become now a Pentecostal. I didn't even actually know what a Pentecostal was. I just knew I'm speaking stuff that I don't fully understand. And I wasn't removed in any mean spirit. The guy that said, you've got to go, happened to have been my best buddy, Christian buddy. And I thought it, the wisdom, he was so kind. He said, Daniel, I know you. I love you. I watched you in your life and your ministry. I do not understand what has happened. And I don't theologically subscribe to it. And I'm thinking, neither do I. <laughs> but he says, I know as a group, we don't have enough understanding to be able to adequately um, cover and safeguard and keep you doing okay. So he wasn't saying, get out of our life. He was just saying, you're now in an arena that I don't have and our group doesn't have any understanding and we're not going to be so foolish to label a man that we've known for all these years and been kingdom guy to suddenly say, now you're overwhelmed by a devil. But neither are we ready to change our thinking and our, our theology, so it would just be best if we parted ways. 
and I thanked him, and then I began on a, a, a quest, a journey, to understand what it is that had happened to me, and what does the Bible have to say about all things spiritual. Tomorrow, we're going to look at spiritual gifts, which are not the same as spiritual ministries. The gift of prophecy is not the same as the ministry of a prophet. We're going to talk about um, this verse that says, hey, not all speak in tongues. And I'm going to offer you some thoughts on that, that you will have to decide what you do with it. And then we're going to talk about uh, prophecy, because that is the uh, really, the easiest spiritual gift to exercise, uh, so much so that even people that don't have a close relationship with Jesus apparently are able to prophesy. Remember, Jesus will say to them on that day, depart from me, I never knew you. And another verse that says you, you can all prophesy. So what is that all about? And what is the tone that we should expect from anyone who claims that they have a prophetic word for us and how might I know if God is prompting me with a word that would be life-giving to another person? How does all of that kind of function, especially in a larger setting? And, uh, and then at the end of the day tomorrow, I'm just giving you the schedule so that you know. Uh, as I say, I will. At, we're going to finish at noon. But I'm going to keep talking and ministering until noon. And then if any of you decide, well, I don't know that I completely understand, but I would also like to be uh, prayed for, or I've spoken in tongues, but I've just got a couple of words and I seem to be stuck, or I've asked to be baptized with the Spirit, but I've never had the release of my spiritual language. And what I want to do is talk to you a little more and pray for you and... Uh, it's just really extraordinary what the Lord is is doing these days. We're kind of, some just exciting things are happening uh, as I get to travel around. So that's what I want to do tomorrow. Uh, I know it can feel a little bit unsatisfying that that I've taken a long time to give you a backdrop, but you really will not be able to understand the importance of spirituals, spiritual giftings and ministries uh, without understanding that this was the pattern that Jesus followed and he's not asking us to encounter something different or strange. He just wants to make sure that we have full access to everything that the Father is doing, everything that the Father is saying and that is through the agency of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was asked earlier, will there be a question and answer time? And after getting through this introduction, yes, we will have plenty of time for you to ask this and that. If you don't mind me saying, how about if I answer that later? Because, you know, this subject is pretty broad and people have had so many different experiences. And I don't want to just chase all the questions and answers, but I'm happy to answer uh, really whatever I can. So if you have your Bible or a Bible, could you uh, really please bring it uh, tomorrow? We're going to be going again verse, 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 verse uh, through these chapters, and it's pretty important for you to see a connection between this verse here and that verse over there, and you will find that easier to do if you have a paper Bible. Now, if you don't have one, please don't feel uh, bad, but I'm, I'm just saying it's a little easier to study. 
Okay, um, Ira, I know you have something else you want to wanna say. So uh, that's my way of saying thank you all. Uh, good evening, and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs> thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel.